Hi, I'm Joel. This is the Creativity Pulse podcast, a podcast where we dive into the cool waters of creativity and cruise around some creative thinking, evolution of ideas, and innovation that currently exists in a variety of industries and businesses, big and small. I chat with my guests about their life and business and their approach to creativity. The guests share some of their methods and techniques with us so we can try and understand how some of the more creative people around us go about being, well, exactly that, more creative. For those of you just joining us, let me explain how things work. There's a weekly episode with a guest lasting between 15 and 20 minutes. There's then a series of three episodes. They're really interesting people and my idea, initial idea anyway, of two episodes meant the episodes were getting to be a marathon of listening. There is also a takeaway with the third guest episode. This summarizes the whole conversation with some creative ideas linked in. It includes some insights to help you exercise, flex and build your creative mental muscle. You'll also find some information on the website that helps you do this. Check out the creative ideas generators, for instance. Here we are on the Creativity Pulse. We're back with Sue Young Lee. In the first episode, we were talking about internal and external drivers for motivation and how these can help you or trip you up by misleading you into thinking in a certain way. Welcome back to the second of three parts. We'll jump straight back into the conversation. So I feel that that's really essential. And I talk a lot about going from the invisible to the tangible. So in any process in our life, we have to have the invisible, which are the ideas that come from this like inner locus of ethos that's been impacted by outside triggers, but they come from within. And then from that, bringing it out into a tangible form. Without that tangible, we'll never have a sense of purpose and accomplishment, whatever that is, right? So I find when I'm just constantly absorbing knowledge, I'm like, girl, you got to slow down and actually use this stuff. You know, like it's, it's not going to do anything. So that's really key. So with unschooling, the reason I'm calling it unschooling, my business unschooling for creators is I started um, homeschooling my first grader. Um, So I was like the school system, it just sucks. You know, I was a professor and a writing professor for over 12 years. And I'm like, even that sucked just Sorry to anyone who's in academia. Um, So I realized we need a different system. We need to deprogram the whole schooling process. So you start at five and you notice with kids, as they start school, they start losing that, that, I don't know how to call it. It's like, they say, I'm going to build a robot. And guess what? They're building it. There's no gap, right? So as they go into more of the school system, it trains them. What you want to do is not important. What you want to build, what you want to create, that's not going to get your friends, accolades, the grades, all these things. So imagine 12 plus years of that. Then we go into uni, right? And then we go into work. So when I start building this plan A with them, they have to be willing to unschool, remove the defaults, all the different lessons around that. So I think that's question one. What was your second question? <laughs> I'm, I've got that written down here. I know exactly what that is. I'm just going to sort of add some little bits. Um, I had a conversation yeah. with someone the other day and they said, listen, you know, when, when I was 
they were my age and they said, you know, I left university and I was expected to go and work for a large corporation in, you know, a cubicle somewhere. Um, That's what we did. And now the economy, that's what the economy sort of demanded of us. Now the economy is sort of, it's growing in this knowledge area where we're valued for our brain and what we can do with a computer, not necessarily with our hands in a machine. And the whole supply chain is not just a system of large corporations dealing with each other. It's a system of very small and sometimes individual people dealing with each other. So again, that whole, I was in academia, well, in schools, international schools at sort of the six, 17, 18 pre-university level for years, you know, 15 Mm -hmm. years or so. And so I can completely relate. I've seen education systems just getting further and further from the reality of the world, teaching you all about large corporations where really they should be teaching you about how to start your own business, because that's what the economy requires you to do is these sort of supply chain fracture. Um, It's interesting I remember my dad saying, listen, growth is scary and it hurts. Get used to it. It's not going away. And if you don't want to be scared and you don't want to hurt, don't grow. And I was like, wow, my dad dad never sort of came out with some gems. But I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, wow, put that on a T-shirt, you know what I mean? It was uh, sort of – there are other things that he told me which, uh, you know, haven't been as useful, but, you know, that's all part of being a parent. (laughs) I know that. Um, but experience, reflection, and wisdom. And I think there's a lot of people who run around getting a lot of experience and don't really sort of have the time, don't give them the time themselves the time to reflect and therefore get the wisdom they really do need. And they're the deep people, I think, that you meet. Second question, I've got another one that I wrote down here as well. Um, But is, so there's your number one. the personal branding side of things, do you think that's of value? Do you think people get sort of entrenched in their own idea of who they are and all of a sudden they think, you know, wow, I've actually turned into a person I don't want to be? Mm. Yeah, I think that's that's part of it, right? Um, and I think I remember an aspect of your other question that I'll get into as well. So personal branding, you really have to take responsibility for like whatever tools you you develop or have, right? Your your assets, your skills. And so I think part of being a creator is always taking a moment to revamp, you know, the evolution of your business, how you can serve your clients, but also what you're putting out there. Because, I mean, it's incredible, Joel. Sometimes like I'll be up late working and I'm like, oh, I'm like, got to sludge through this. And then I'll get this DM right? And I'm a crier. Like I cry when I'm mad. I'm cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm moved. I'm faucet faced, but I get these DMs sometimes and I'm just floored with the, the genuine outpouring of like the stuff people str- have struggled through, you know, the, the kindness like that they share that how my Twitter space impacted them or, you know, just it's, it's mind blowing and it's instantaneous. Like before, you know, you had to meet someone in person. They wanted to have the conversation, you know, right in front of you or whatever. And even those felt amazing, but the speed that you can impact someone and someone can impact you, you have to take responsibility for that. And what I've been doing recently was I was feeling like so much of my life was gone on to the online community that I had to pull back and look at my in real life you know, communities and social life. But in doing that, I realized 
maybe I'm not so comfortable with this kind of tone I'm putting out recently, which has to do more with like, I'm here to help you, you know? And I'm like, who the hell do I think I am to help someone? I'm here actually just to provide the value that I have and to learn from the value of the people in my community. And so I find that I can help people the most who are about three steps behind me, and I can learn the most from people who are about five steps ahead of me. And that's my community, right? But I also get these incredible like insights from just reading a tweet of someone who's in my community, but they, they're just starting. Like they have like 90 followers and I don't care because the value of what they shared is so incredible. And you can read in the tweets, like who is working on themselves And those are the personal brands that I want to connect with because I'm constantly working on myself. And so for me, going back to like, where do we start with the knowledge, right? You're like, do we go back to the knowledge we had in uni or the, so I actually just start with the problem with myself and with my clients. I'll say, don't wait to have a rich life or to have it figured out to start creating content. What are you struggling with right now? Well, first time the answer is a little like deflective, you know, like, oh, this client's driving me crazy. I hate my work. I'm like, no, but what are you actually struggling with right now? It's like, oh, well, I'm really unhappy because, you know, I feel like I keep choosing these kinds of work because I know it, but I really want to be a writer. I'm a ghost writer or I put on courses for writing, but I really want to be a writer. Right. And I come across this all the time. So even when you ask people, like, what is their true, like, purpose that they want? Or what is their true challenge they want to deflect? They don't want to get into the meat of it. Well, okay, if it's that, then let's start there. So I'll talk personally about my, how I started this. I've basically been in three different fields, curriculum design as an educator, um, a life coach mentor, and then doing kind of this writing, marketing, you know, business ecosystems. So what I found was after working with this great um, startup called High Tide, they, they lost their funding. So I was kind of like back on my own. This was after COVID, right? I couldn't do my in-person seminars. I couldn't do my face-to-face coaching. So I started working with this startup called High Tide. They lost their funding before the year was over. And I was like, okay, here I go. How do I navigate in this world? So I started doing these large packages for thought leaders, writers, where I do, you know, help them write their book, e-course, workbook, social media strategies, personal branding. And then I was like, this is worse than a nine to five because I'm constantly creating content. It's like so much work and none of it is mine. So I made this decision about two years ago. I'm working on my plan B. This is my plan B. Sure, it's, I feel so blessed that I can make a living off of this, that people want my services, but it's not enough. So I decided to do the multiverse consulting, the unschooling for creators. But even then, I kept going back to my plan B because I'm like, well, I can really work on this when I have some steady freelance work. So I spent more time you know, trying to look for steady freelance work that would allow me the time to do this. So because I know what it feels like to want to build a plan A, but to waste your time going towards plan B and C, 
I actually now know how to help people build their plan A and see all the kind of pitfalls that you can fall into. And so that's what helped me build my business. I transposed the skills that I've had from my professional life and I put them into what I wanted to do, which was the consulting, supporting the branding, and then really look at, you know, what happened in those six months when I decided to really do this business. I messed up in so many ways, but in dealing with those problems, overcoming them, I was able to now create a system for other people who want to build their plan A. So I just approach, what are you dealing with right now? And how can you create a system of tools and resources to help yourself out of that problem, which will then become the products and services you offer to your clients? It's really simple, you know, um, but it's the tools. You have to build the tools by doing them. You have to come out of your own hole, your pothole, to know what works and then help people find what works for them. I remember being told if you're the cleverest or the dumbest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That was a, someone, I think an old manager told me that. And he said, be able to spot that. Um, you know, he says, it's yeah, don't, don't be arrogant to think you're the cleverest, but also don't be frightened to recognize you're the dumbest one, you know, in which case you're in the wrong room. Um, one of my next questions is, Do you find it easier or harder to deal with older or younger people based on sort of their experiences, fear of failure, family commitments, financial commitments? The reason I ask this, I I started my own business a while, you know, a couple of years ago, year and a bit ago now. And, you know, I could sort of do that because my wife has a steady job. So my kids aren't going to starve. I'm not going to end up living in a box with my family under the bridge begging for, you know, crusts. (laughs) But you quite often hear this, you know, in order to be a, you know, an entrepreneur, you've got to risk it all. Well, Mm. you know, you don't. That would be sort of silly, really. So, but younger people have, you know, they can take a lot more failure. When you get to your mid-50s, failure means, you know, that's it. Um, you don't have that time to sort of bounce back again. Um, but you're also faced with this vast amount of experience and hopefully some wisdom on top. So yes. do you find it harder or easier to deal with, you know, sort of younger clients or sort of older, maturer clients, shall we put it? I can't say that there's a, a general consensus you know, it really has a lot to do with uh, the transition they're in. I love working with people in transition. So whether, you know, they've just moved or they just had a baby or they're about to go on a trip or they want to, they've just decided I'm, I'm leaving this job, right? People in transition, there's so much potential. I mean, it's just, it's so hard, but it's ripe with potential because they've already stepped it in. They've stepped into a void. They're already in a place where they're nothing is really familiar or major parts of their life are no, you know, not very familiar. So I think that is usually the, the largest kind of success stories I would say that come out of um, people who want to create a business when they're, they're willing to admit I'm already in a transition because of, the choices I've made or that I'm going to make. Um, 
I don't know if it's like an age thing. I think it's, you know, what's interesting is you have very, very young, maybe pre, you know, commitments or obligations, like kids in high school, um, kids in college, I shouldn't say young men and women in college. Um, but then as we get older, <clears throat> we get, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but I'm going to cuss, um, the fuckets. We get the fuckets. So when I was in my 20s, I was putting on these writing seminars at senior citizen centers, which, you know, they were basically like active multiple classes, like 55 and plus. You could do yoga, you could do dance. And I was teaching creative writing kind of as a way to for people to understand themselves. I learned so much from my students because they really had the fuckets. I mean, being, you know, in my mid 20s, having a very young child, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, they would just the way they live their life. You know, maybe before they already had it, but maybe it had to do with them living a life according to plans B and C, the safe road. And they're like, why would I keep doing that now? And they were the most free, the most courageous risk takers that I had ever met. And so that really kind of helped me you know, as I stepped into my thirties, right? Like I want to do it like Joanna did. I want to do it like Cheryl did, you know? So <clears throat> I don't think age is necessarily a factor. And I think that's why I'm trying to normalize, you know, that I'm going to turn 52, that I've had these professional courses in my life that are now because of the digital economy are coming together. So when I was working at high tide, it's because of my experience as a life coach as an editor, as a writer, that, oh, this fit perfectly in this startup. And I was the person on the Slack channel that I started interrupting all these channels. I go into the product, I go into the customer service, you know, because I'm like, that's how my brain works. But in a startup, in the digital economy, that's rewarded. Because not too long after, they're like, hey, do you want to come to the executive meetings? Because you're piping in anyway, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I love the digital economy. It's perfect for, I'm, you know, ADD, I'm a polymath, you know, whatever. It's, I've never been like a follow the straight road kind of person. So I think it can happen for anyone. And the beautiful thing is the transposing. So one of my coaching mottos is the way you do one thing is the way you do everything or not everything, any like other things. Right. So, what you have in your skills that you've been working on in your corporate job or your nine to five or whatever, you can transpose those same skills into your plan A business. You know, so um, there's someone that I'm working with very recently and she's been in the corporate world and she is amazing at recognizing like workflow systems because she left the corporate world with that knowledge, but also the work she's doing currently helps her see that. That can be transposed as she builds her consulting service, whatever it is for individuals or for businesses. So I remember this moment. So I homeschool, unschool my first grader. And I was like, we're not going to learn math the Western way. I'm sorry, but it's, it's a complete mess. So I started teaching him in the Korean Asian way. And basically, when we do adding, subtraction, division, multiplication, we start all at one time. It's using systems like systems of five, systems of 10, 
right? So when you look at an eight, it's not a eight plus three. This is very Western, right? I'm going to count my fingers. Asian way is it's five plus three because you can use five in everything or it's a 10. It's two more to get to 10. So what was really beautiful was this one aha moment where he starts explaining how to do these different, you know, math problems. And he's like, well, gets in this kind of like professor voice. Well, I'm going to do this with systems of twos. And he starts breaking down how that whole system in his own way. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm unschooling him because I'm teaching him now, develop your own systems, apply what I taught you, use it for what you want. And that's basically what I'm doing with my clients. I'm not a coaching service that's trying to teach them to be a coaching service, selling my system. I'm sorry, but that's a sham. It's a sham. You cannot sell your system so someone else can then sell your system for money. You provide a system so that they can create their own system. And personal brand is the driving motivation behind that. I'm going to get off my soapbox now. (laughs) Well, that's it for this week. Join us next week for the third and final episode with Sue Young Lee. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening. And we'll see you next time. Don't forget to have a look at the website. You'll find some stuff to help you develop your creative abilities. I'm Joel. Who are you? Where do you come from? And what do you do?